HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we're talking organization. Not mise en place or keeping your knives in a row, but labor organizing. If any restaurant worker is listening to this and is like, yes, I want something different, but I don't know where to start. First step they just need to do is to find one of us and get plugged in. As independent contractors, they can't directly tell people, you know, when or, or where to work, but by using sort of gamified nudges to push people, that is sort of how they um, move the workforce around. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Gail Becker, founder and CEO of Kali Power, the powerhouse company that uses the power of veggies to make healthier, easier versions of the food you crave. Within its first two years, Kali Power Pizza Crust became a top 10 frozen pizza brand and captured over 2% of the $5 billion U.S. pizza market. The brand has entered five new frozen food categories with their riced cauliflower, chicken tenders, cauliflower tortillas, sweet potatoes, and most recently, cauliflower pasta. Caulipower is now the third fastest growing company of all food brands in America, with the number one better for you pizza, the number one gluten-free pizza, and the number one cauliflower crust pizza. It's available in over 25,000 stores and 5,000 restaurants nationwide. I have chills just reading that. <laughs> Gail, welcome. Um, I am so excited you're here. I think you know I, I LinkedIn messaged you a lot and you were gracious enough to respond. 
Um, but I don't think that there are many stories like yours, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have you here. So thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. And I've been watching your journey and cheering you on. And um, uh-huh. it's really, um, I love having the chance to, to speak with you. Thank you. Also, everyone, you'll want to be sure to stay tuned till the end because Gail has a little surprise gift for everyone. Yay. We've never had that before. Um, okay, Gail. So I know you were a career changer, um, and I'd love to start with that. You have an extensive background um, in a lot of fields, it seems like, um, from PR to government to, uh, you know, press staff, lots of things. So tell me, tell me about your background. How did you get to Kali Power? Um, I want to hear everything. I love the notion of being a career changer. I think that, you know, I've definitely had more careers than I have had cars and I, and I've had quite a few cars (laughs) over my lifetime. Um, so yeah, I think I ended up in the food business, uh, you know, quite in an unorthodox way. Although I, I, you know, I'd like to think many of us do. Um, I started out in, uh, news and then I worked in government for a while. And then I worked in corporate America and, um, you know, what I what I discovered af- after many years in the latter was that, you know, I, w- I was ready for a change. I needed to mm-hmm. do something more meaningful with my life. Uh, my father had passed away and um, I, I, I was looking for a change. I was looking for, you know, something that could could really help people and, and, and make a positive impact. And that was in 2016, correct? Yes. So in right. um, in 2016 is when I left my job in, in corporate America and decided to bet it all on a vegetable. <laughs> I mean, I would say pretty good bet looking back. Um, and the legend of the failed Pinterest attempt mm-hmm. at the cauliflower pizza crust that triggered mm-hmm. uh, a million plus crusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, not long after my uh, my father uh, passed away, I was you know in the kitchen one night. My my boys have celiac disease, so mm-hmm. you know it's given me a really good perch from which to watch the gluten free industry evolve. And I mm-hmm. I just began to notice how much junk the industry was putting in gluten free food. And I sort of thought, probably like you know many of us, that you know oh I'll just wait for someone to do something about it, and right. no one ever did. Yeah. And you know ultimately I. I, I guess I determined that person needed to be me. I I made <laughs> cauliflower crust pizza one night off the internet. I didn't invent it. There were about 569,000 recipes. When <laughs> I checked, I picked one. It was fine. It was all right. Nothing great, but, but just fine. And right. um, when my uh, eldest son asked me if I was going to make it again, about two weeks later, I said, there's no way I'm making that again because (laughs) it took 90 minutes to make a pizza crust after Mm -hmm. I got home from a full day of work. I mean, who amongst us really has time for that? And it probably wasn't the crunchy. You probably got, you know, you know how the ones that you make at home are like a little like soggy-ish. Exactly. Exactly. All that plus a whole lot of cleanup. I mean, one disastrous looking um, kitchen. So uh, (laughs) when my when my son asked me if I would make it again, um, I said, I won't, but I will find it for you. And I looked everywhere. I looked in in stores. I looked online. I couldn't find it. And so I decided, well, I guess it's something I'm going to do myself. And so tell me a little bit about that, because, you know, I think 
a lot of the people that listen to this show, I think a lot of them are sort of my stage and maybe a little earlier, maybe a little beyond, but a lot of people are thinking about making these ideas and these products into reality. Um, and there are so many different ways to do it. You know, I have friends that had an idea and went and go, you know, pitched VC funds and got all this money. Then there's me who kind of started and used the profits from my cooking school to kind of dip my toe into the CPG world. And, you know, I was a little more slow and steady. Um, how did you, how did you do it? I mean, what, you didn't know anything about this industry. You were creating a new product, essentially creating a new category. Um, there's a lot of anachronistic language and, and sort of everyone has a different, you know, acronym for the same thing. Like, where did you start doing the research? Boy, um, it's such a, a good question. And, and obviously, um, you know, po posed by someone who's, who's, who's been through it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to start a business, particularly in, in, in the food sector. And, um, you know, for me, you know, my way was, um, you know, I was, I was going to go big or go home. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I left a pretty stable and successful career in corporate America. And I knew if I was going to do this, that I really wanted to do something in a big way that was going to have a, mater a material impact. Yeah. So um, you know, I did what really anyone in my position who knew nothing about the industry would have done. And is I, I surrounded myself with with people who knew uh, most of them, to be honest with you, were consultants very early on consultants mm -hmm. that I, you know, hired uh, hourly to, you know, teach me about the business, to, you know, walk me through a grocery store, explain to me how it worked, help me find right. a co-manufacturer. Because to your point, I knew nothing. And it is right. a very tight-knit, closed, acronym-filled industry. And, you know, I'm still le learning language that, mm -hmm. you know, I <laughs> over the years, uh, because every day I, I, um, I learn a new acronym. Um, yeah. but it is, um, but you know, that's basically what I did. I, I was a sponge and quite frankly, I, I still am a sponge and, yeah. and that's one of the things I love. And do you remember during that period, you know, I mean, the, the first person I remember vividly, the first person that I, I told kind of, he was in the CPG world. I don't even know exactly now what exactly he did, but someone told me I should speak to him. And I was like, I, no one's making a fresh sauce. No one's using HPP, which they've been using on juice forever on sauce. And there's no reason for it to be like in jars in the middle mm -hmm. of the store. Mm -hmm. So, um, what do I do now? <laughs> like, and he literally was like, well, how much do you want it to be on shelf? And I was like, I think max six ninety nine, and he's like, "Great, your all in costs need to be like a dollar thirty seven and I was like a dollar thirty seven and I wrote that down, and then right. I, he was like, "And how are you going to distribute it?" And I was like, "What do you mean? I mean, I remember literally brass tax like yeah. like point a do you remember those early conversations, and do you remember anything that sticks out or that you know you would tell people in their first the first five bullets you would say to someone in your position back then? Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so many conversations I remember, I, I suppose the, you know, the most notable one was the one that I actually sat my two sons down at the kitchen table and made them mm -hmm. listen to because mm -hmm. it was the first call that I made mm 
to see if this was even something that was viable. And I, I called really the only person I knew in the entire food industry, which was kind of remarkable because I had come across a lot of people over the years, mm -hmm. um, but I only ever met really or knew one person. So I called her and I said, I have this crazy idea and uh, I, I want to know what you think. And she said, I don't think it's a crazy idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. And oh, my, wow. uh, I, I had her on speakerphone and uh, my two boys listened in and I hung up the phone and I said, okay, we're going to do this. And, wow. um, and since that moment, I, you know, um, I have to say, I, I would put the, the list of individuals who have helped me and guide me, guided me into two buckets. One are the people, um, that I hired either consultants or ultimately employees who really, you know, were very gracious with their time and, and, and taught me and, and let me ask, you know, hundreds and hundreds of questions. Uh, you know, on the other side, the people in my life who were either part of my close knit friends or family or people that I, you know, knew who had worked in marketing and, and so forth, who just, you know, really did nothing but cheer me on. And mm -hmm. in those early days, that's really, you know, that's equally as important because those lonely days are, those early days are lonely and yeah. hard and full of tears. And um, yeah. I really needed that to go on. Yeah. Do you remember um, the process of figuring out the the recipe or as they call it in, you know, scalable CPG world, the formula like, do you, did oh. you, did you go to co-packers and they're like, oh. no, not possible. Can't do it. See ya. Uh, I like to say I, I, I kissed a lot of frogs. Uh, yeah. There were, there, there were a lot of people who turned me down. A lot yeah. of co-mans turned me down. Well, first yeah. of all, you know, the universe of, of pizza manufacturing is quite small, mm -hmm. uh, smaller than, than people would realize. And um, so I had here, here I was, you know, someone who never worked in the food industry, who had mm -hmm. no credentials to back them up who basically showed up and said, hi, I want to make a pizza crust out of yeah. cauliflower. You know, <laughs> they, they, they thought I was absolutely bananas. Yeah. And most of them turned me down. Um, I did find, ultimately find one who, you know, after a lot of work and back and forth, you know, uh, took a shot. And ultimately, after a fair amount of time, uh, we got it. But um, it is amazing how easy it is for people to turn you down in that early yeah. stage because you don't have the volume necessary to, you know, right. f fill their facility. And, um, and you know, it's it's a crazy idea from from someone who, you know, really has has uh, no standing in the industry. So um, right. it did take it, it was a big leap of faith on on a number of people's parts. And then, okay, so you so you get the the crust made, and you find that co-man partner, and now it's time to pitch it to buyers and get it into some stores. Yes. Um, and at that point, did it? I mean, were you thinking maybe I don't need to do stores? Was there ever like a maybe I just launch this online or on Amazon and I see how it goes? Or were you very focused on brick and mortar from the get go? I was very focused on brick and mortar because this is a frozen product. And, right. as, you know, as wonderful yeah. as e-commerce is, it's still not 
you know, um, mm -hmm. it's still not really fantastic for frozen uh, products just or because frozen shipping. <laughs> oh, I'm sure or refrigerated because, for, you know, frozen shipping is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although we did uh, launch on Amazon and that ended up, you know, being great. Um, so I was I was focused on retail. I do I do remember very well that 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 first win, as it were, um, which, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but um, in the food world, you can pitch um, you can pitch your local Whole Foods region with your product. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my local Whole Foods region was, you know, Southern California, SOPAC. And mm -hmm. so I, I distinctly remember buying a styrofoam container, putting in four, you know, very, very expensive pizza samples, right? Because I had to run the whole <laughs> right. line just for these samples. Uh, and, um, and I wasn't allowed a meeting. They didn't give me a meeting. So I right. literally had to drop them off at the receptionist in the, yep. you know, SOPAC headquarters and um, Whole Foods headquarters. And, um, you know, like I was dropping off my, ch my child at a, at, yep. a, at, at a strange babysitter. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and then about a week and a half later, I got an email from them saying, um, we tried them. We love them. We want wow. to bring them into 30 stores. And oh I happened to be at a Starbucks at the time. And I remember I just wanted to buy everyone in the place a latte because yep. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. And and then, I mean, did you did you self did you is this correct? Was it five million dollars in sales in your first year? Is mm. that accurate? Yeah, my first full year. Yeah. Yeah, that Holy is mackerel. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Like, I, I I remember actually. It's interesting. I I do remember having a conversation with the person who was um, my. She wasn't even a full time CFO. It was you know so you know some someone I had hired to to sort of you know run the 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 the, the, the financial operations. And right. I remember having a conversation with her, and she was very very clear that I would not even make a million dollars in my first year. And how dare I even thought about it. Right. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, really? And so, um, but I didn't <laughs> let it deter me. And uh, yeah, we ended up doing OK. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I have a bunch of questions. OK, okay one, the people that you talked to as consultants, those original sort of crew of people that you assembled, did you end up hiring any of them? Like, did they become parts of your team or did you find that going from that kind of ideation and conceptualizing phase into like practice, you needed a different set of people and skill sets, or did you find that they were just the right people to do that? I did hire some of them for full-time uh contract employees. Right. Okay. So, yeah. uh, because I, you know, I needed them in those roles as I transitioned to having our, our, our own, you know, people in those, um, positions and, right. you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we need additional work. I mean, we, yep. need, we, we need additional hands. So I still use some of them, although most right. of the positions we've, we've transitioned in house. Um, but, um, you know, some of them I, 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 I grew very close to and, you know, yeah. still keep in contact with. And, you know, some have started their own businesses now and, you know, I cheer them on. So yeah. it's a it's just a wonderful community. And then the second question is, you know, I mean, I remember I think everyone who listens to this on the regular like has heard the story, but we got our 
We got like our first purchase order out to Whole Foods in March uh-huh. like, of 2018. And that was for 14 New York City stores and awesome. also Fresh Direct. And then I kind of took a break and I figured I would get another purchase order in a couple of weeks. But we got one like the next day for four times the amount. Wow. And I remember I I actually sat down on the floor and started to cry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we can't make this much sauce. We were like hauling buckets from mm-hmm. like cold space to cold mm-hmm. space. Like we mm-hmm. didn't have a co-packer at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I think we did like 80,000 in sales our first year or whatever it was. So it's, it's a clearly very different story, but did it freak you out to, to, to go like that from zero to hero so quickly? I mean, I had a nervous breakdown at a PO. I can't imagine did it move faster than you were prepared for? Did you have the people? Did you have the bandwidth? How did you how did you even know how to like support that kind of growth? Well, in short, let me just say no, no, and no. Um, right. <laughs> I, I didn't have any of that. Um, uh, was I surprised? Uh, yes, very much so. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I often say sometimes ignorance is bliss because yeah. I, sure. I really didn't know what to expect in all fairness. So, yes, there were a lot of people who said, well, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen and don't expect this to happen. And mm-hmm. I also had a lot of people who said, wow, I've never seen this before. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, not knowing, you know, not having a clear, you know, view on, you know, what should happen it was Maybe helpful in some ways mm-hmm. because I was just more malleable. I just, yep. okay, well, this is all I know and this is what's happening. So this is my story and this is yep. what, what, what I have to deal with. But yeah, I mean, it was the, the growth at that pace did put an extraordinary, uh, you know, burden on, on the company, on the supply chain, on the manufacturer right. whatever, but we did it. You know, yeah. and um, I'm so proud of, you know, the team that we had at the time, which was a very small and mighty team. Um, and um, and, you know, that's that that's part of what makes the story so crazy and so wonderful. Yeah, it's such a great story. And then my last question before we take a little break is, did you have to do marketing that first year or did it kind of, was there just such a need for it in the market that it kind of sold itself? Like how, how did you get the word out? You know, how did people know that you existed? I guess is the yeah. big question. So we did do a lot of marketing and, you know, in all fairness, while That's I didn't know, and right. right. When, while I didn't know anything about the food industry per se, I did work in marketing for many years. And so I did know a little something about that. And so, you know, we, we, you know, we lead with what we are comfortable with and what Mm -hmm. we know. And so, you know, for me, you know, the marketing came, you know, fairly easily. And so that's what I led with. And we became a very, you know, social, um, socially driven, uh, you know, brand that, uh, you know, started to elicit a lot of consumer engagement. And that felt really right for us at the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, happened to, yeah, I, I think, helped fuel our growth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking back and I'm like 2017. I think I had, I mean, I guess I must not have because I was in New York, but I feel like 
I've had cauliflower in my freezer oh, for oh. at least two or three years. Like 100%. when would I, when would the earliest time that I would have gotten it? You, you be? absolutely would have had it in 2017. So I, right. I left my job in May of 2016. We launched the company, meaning sold our first pizza in February of 2017. And, you know, very soon thereafter rolled out to lots and lots of retailers. Right. Okay. Um, including, you know, September of that very year, uh, we were in Walmart. Right. Yes. I want to talk about that. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and um, we'll come back and ask you lots more questions. Great. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat, and it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble. Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing and Bon Appetit says, It's so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn. I'm back with Gail Becker of Kali Power. Um, okay, there, there, there's also legend about <laughs> you saying no to Costco, but you saying yes to Walmart. And that's a little counterintuitive for brands like me because we've been sort of taught like Walmart is kind of, they will destroy you little company and Costco is actually like a nice place to build a brand and a, and a little bit... Um, you know, challenging on the cost side, but if you can figure it out, like actually a really great sort of business channel. So I'd love to hear that whole, what happened. Yeah, there. absolutely. And look, I mean, this is my story, right? This is of what course. happened to Collie Power. I don't necessarily, I'm not making the recommendation that, you know, Everyone other brands Walmart, should follow right? <laughs> in this because, you know, everyone has to, you know, um, do what's right for them and, 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 you know, uh, deal with what transpires. So for me, uh, I did have an opportunity at Costco very early on. Um, I did say no to it. I didn't say mm -hmm. no to it because I wanted to say no to it. In right. fact, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've had to make since starting Collie Power was saying no mm -hmm. to Costco so early on because we were expanding so rapidly in retail. Mm -hmm. I was nervous 
that I wouldn't be able to keep up with Costco, Costco demand. And if there's right. one thing that I had learned and lots of people much smarter than me had told me is don't disappoint Costco, whatever you do, because yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll ruin any future chance you have. And so, yeah. you know, I made the decision that I had to say no, just because I was really nervous. I wouldn't be able to deliver. So that's right. why I said no to, to Costco. Understood. For Walmart, um, you know, look, for me, I, I had a pretty good gig in corporate America. And if I was going to leave it, it was really going to be to, you know, my my vision was really I wanted, you know, more, more, more nutritional options mm-hmm. accessible to all. That was really important to me. Mm-hmm. And what better way to do that than via Walmart? And so, yep. you know. I think the Walmart relation, the Walmart cauliflower relationship has really been a, a unique and a, and, and a wonderful one because we each took an early bet on each other. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. But so look, Walmart today has lots of, you know, wonderful, you know, better for you options in their freezer set. But it wasn't necessarily like that, you know, back in mm-hmm. 2017. And so they took an early bet on Collie Power and yeah. and I took an early bet on them. And I have to yep. say, it's been a really great relationship, um, one that's very honest and transparent and hasn't always been smooth. But, you know, I think like most of our retailer relationships right. um, have been has been really um, strong. Yeah. Um, a, a little side question about mm-hmm. that. So, you know, I again, like you, we, we lean hard into sort of that wholesale channel because we're refrigerated because, you know, between the Instagram ads and the cost of shipping and the pick and pack, like it's very hard to make any actual money direct to consumer right Right. now on a refrigerated product. And I also, I'm a supermarket person. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there are some of us who are just like, we just enjoy the supermarket and that's where I want to be. And I like the shelves and I like the browsing (laughs) that said, um, we don't have control over their inventory management or when they restock the shelves after you sell out after a promo. And the more that we expand, the less control it feels that we have. When we were in the Northeast, I could have, you know, the TAs from the cooking school all went to visit Whole Foods on their way into work and out of work. And they would take pictures and merchandise the shelves and it felt very manageable. Um, and then as we started growing away from home, you know, we're in Fred Meyer right now and I don't know what's going on there. And I, I've never been in one, you know, um, and I don't have that personal relationship. So I guess part of the question that I have is how how have you found building these relationships with your, you know, grocery store partners, you know, I know it's about trust and, and I know it's, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to miss a PO, we let them know ahead of time. We let them know about how we're remedying stuff, but how do you hold them more accountable when they're not exactly holding up their end of the bargain perfectly? Mm -hmm. I do think in all fairness that uh, the pandemic has, has changed some things, um, you know, for me personally, I went on ev- also that 2017 and 2018, I went, I literally went on every single sales call. I didn't, right. I, you know, and, and there were a lot of them because our distribution was growing fast. And so I was able to build personal relationships with all mm-hmm. the buyers. Now, some of them have since left and, and so mm-hmm. forth. But I, I do think for me, 
Um, it really helped, you know, having a, a, a face-to-face meeting and, and really having a one-on-one relationship. And, and yeah. that's something that I have drawn upon greatly. I, I do think, in all fairness to your point, that the pandemic certainly has changed things. Not, not only are we not able to have those one-on-one relationships, not only, not only am I not, you know, can I not put a piece of pizza on a plate and, you know, personally mm-hmm. hand it to the individual, um, but, uh, you know, we're not even, you know, we're not meeting in person anymore. There's right. no shows anymore. They can't yeah. come by your booth and say hello. So it's, it's a much, much more challenging environment and ecosystem with which to build those relationships. I, yeah. I, I feel for younger brands today because of that on the, on the, on the, on the, on the hopeful side, you know, now that we're starting to, you know, ease out of the pandemic and, you know, people are um, getting vaccines and some of the rules are loosening up and I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll start to see, you know, in-person meetings again. And, and I have already gotten, you know, the, the notices about uh, the in-person shows returning. So I Mm -hmm. do think that that, that certainly will help. Um, but I, I, I understand the void, um, in between. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, going back to sort of the marketing, you know, everyone has their superpowers, right? And I think a lot of this is just figuring out what yours are and then the stuff that isn't your superpower, trying to delegate as effectively and as, you know, efficiently as possible and leaning hard into like what you really are good at. But at what point did the private label cauliflower crusts start popping up? And how did you handle that when they started to? Because it feels to me like that's when you really needed to lean into the power of the brand, um, yeah. which I feel very strongly. And as like a consumer, I'm choosing Kali Power over, you know, I hate to say it, but like 365 or whatever oh. it is any day. But I don't I- know exactly why. Other than my brand. Well, it's because you're a brand. Yeah. Like I won't, you know, I won't, I won't buy private label, nor do I let anyone in my, in my personal life buy private label for -hmm. exactly that reason. You know, we do believe in the power of the brand and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the private label of the cauliflower crest started with um, Trader Joe's, which Mm -hmm. launched theirs about, I think, I can't remember anymore, maybe seven to eight months Mm-hmm. after Collie Power, maybe eight, nine months after Collie Power. And um, I remember thinking at the time, oh my God, my business mm-hmm. is over. That's it. Pack it up shop. Let's go. <laughs> Call it a day. All that right. work for nothing. I was really wrong uh, yeah. because uh, one, uh, you know, many people found it to be an inferior product. That's not mm-hmm. me. You can ask Pop Sugar. They did a big headline on it. But, um, but you know, even more than that, you know, all of the retailers wanted to play against Trader Joe's. And so those yeah. remaining ones that didn't have cauliflower crust brought in cauliflower. Mm-hmm. So that was certainly, you know, what we began to see in, you know, 2018 and, and what have you. Today, you know, it's a it's a free for all out there. And right. uh, there's there's lots of private label and, you know, lots of retailers push the private label, which mm-hmm. I understand yeah. to a point. But, you know, most most retailers recognize that even if they have private label, they do need the power of the number one brand in the category. And yep. obviously we are the market leader. We do. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're the number one cauliflower crust in America, the number one gluten-free crust, the number one better for you pizza. And so (laughs) that's, that's important. Uh, 
you know, for both to grow. What, right. what I think, you know, what I think retailers are now beginning to realize is that as they brought in more and more and more SKUs, that they weren't actually adding anything to the category. They were just cannibalizing mm-hmm. what they already had. And so I think now post pandemic, you're going to see a lot. I think we already have begun to see a lot of, you know, um, skew rationalization and skew optimization right. because just having all of those skews just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of counting on that in our, you know, we're in a couple of different places in the store and, you know, we have this little rainbow of joy, you know, next to 16 facings of, you know, v- vegan mayo right. in a tub, you know, and I'm like, do they need 16 facings? And like, do you need that many sauerkrauts? And, right. you know, you know, right. like how many, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. dressing things, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. Um, this all leads a little bit to innovation. Okay. Because my guess is that, um, you know, while I'm sure being you, you had bigger plans than just the pizza crust, my guess is that some of the innovation potentially was in response to sort of more and more pizza crust coming on. And I, I guess I'm kind of curious about how you thought about innovation. Is it just like, oh my gosh, we should do a tender or, you know, how much market research did you do? Were you always thinking, okay, let's look at the frozen aisle and just see what doesn't look good and see what we can make better? You know, how, how what's your thought process like a little bit around yeah. it? Um, in some ways, really all all of the above. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think what, you know, what we felt pretty strongly about and, and ultimately we got, and I was really happy to see that, is we got buy-in to expand from two of mm-hmm. our most key stakeholders. One was from the retailers, retailers mm-hmm. saying, okay, what do you have for me? What, how, how are you gonna cauliflower-fy another category? Because mm-hmm. I love what you did and I love the consumer that you brought into the frozen island, I want more. So one, we got the buy-in from the retailer. And then two, uh, we, 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 we got permission from the consumer. Yep. The consumer was saying, what do you have next? What are you going to do next? And, you know, and we really waited to make sure that we had that permission from both of those stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know, once we did, we knew that Cotley Power could be much more than, you know, a frozen pizza brand, which is obviously how we started. And today, Cotley right. Power, you know, is a platform brand. It's not, yep. it's not, it's not a company that makes things out of, out of, cauliflower it's a platform right. brand that really does magical things out of vegetables and i'm sort of hoping that you buy me eventually Have you gotten <laughs> that impression for me <laughs> i'm preparing myself to be acquired by you gail okay, so well, I'm, I'm listening well, we really have no carefully. money so i love that but okay <laughs> you will oh you will <laughs> <laughs> well you will too I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that so um so that is and you know and as such we um and as such we right. you know we we started to expand into other categories and we do look for other sizable categories in the in the grocery store that 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 can be optimized my my, my husband likes to say he envisions me like going through the grocery store wearing a little tutu on a fairy wand and saying, right. you can be better and you could be better <laughs> and you could be better and in some ways you know yeah. that that is a little bit about what we're doing yeah, no, for sure. And that leads to pasta, 
which I got to say kind of came out of left field for me. I was totally down with a bunch of the other things. We we've been like making things with the with the tenders and our barbecue sauce that we just like Mm. we're we're having so much fun. Congratulations on the barbecue uh, sauce. Looks so good. Can't wait to try it. It's it's really beautiful. Um, Thank you. But pasta. I did not expect. So tell me about that and and how that came to be. And was that really consumer driven or, you know, tell me everything. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, I will say that um, I'm glad that that you're surprised. I always like Mm -hmm. to surprise. I always like to create things that people never saw coming, which I Mm -hmm. think probably our chicken tenders fell into that category as well. And that makes me super happy. Um, With with pasta, it was was probably a little bit easier, to be honest with you, because we know that people who love cauliflower pizza also love pasta. Mm -hmm. And when we looked at the category, what we found was um, we found products on both ends of the spectrum. So on the one end of the spectrum, lots of wonderful and delicious uh, pasta products that were amazing, but really offered little nutritional benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you Uh had all of these pasta (laughs) substitutes or whatever, uh, quote unquote, or made from veggies or legumes or what have you. And they offered a better nutritional profile but they didn't taste good and they certainly didn't taste like pasta and they didn't have the texture of pasta and they didn't hold up. And you're skimming. One of the boxes even says, you know, you might have to uh, skim off some like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, scum off the top of the water, which is just so unattractive. (laughs) It's great on a box. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's Um, romance copy right there. Exactly. Right there. So (laughs) I said, um, so what 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 I love about our pasta and what I what what we saw as the white space is that is that place in the middle is that nutritionally you know profile lowest calorie pasta um, you know fantastic nutritional profile but it actually tastes like pasta it is pasta yeah that's and amazing. um and it acts like it and and the experience of opening the package and like putting these beautiful ribbons into hot boiling water Mm. and just watching them flow and then tasting them. You know, we Mm -hmm. have this product made in Italy um, and I encourage everyone to check out our, um, our website where we have the video from, uh, we did a blind taste test in Italy with people who obviously know pasta and then we surprised them that it was cauliflower (laughs) and they couldn't believe it. And it's crazy. Yeah. And it's, um, it's really, um, it speaks volumes, um, about, um, I think the opportunity for this pasta and early results are in and I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. For our last couple of minutes, I want to talk about all the advice that you wish you had gotten, um, thoughts about building your team, thoughts about scaling, thoughts about money, you know, um, just, you know, if, if you could talk to people directly or, you know, even me, you can talk directly to me, you know, um, (laughs) what do you wish that I could know and, you know, not learn the hard way? Whoa, boy, uh, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I would say, I guess for anyone, you know, making the decision on whether they should jump or not, um, I would say, you know, definitely, um, you know, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. I, I always equate 
you know, sort of, you know, jumping into entrepreneurialism with, um, you know, waiting for the right time to have kids. If you wait for the mm -hmm. right time, it's never going to happen. So you might as well just do it. And <laughs> I think that for me, that's very much what the decision to, you know, leave my uh, comfortable job and, and start Collie Power was all about. And, um, and I'm awfully glad I did. And I think what most people don't realize is how close I came to not doing it razor thin and that really mm -hmm. scares me and so i i if there's anyone out there who's listening who's thinking about making you know a similar jump i i would just ask them you know what are you waiting for and then you know specific advice on lessons learned the hard way look i've, I've done you know a number of things right with golly bar i've done a number of things wrong and things i wished i had done differently you know i'll just off top of mine i guess is um you know, I wished I had raised more money earlier. I don't think people realize how expensive mm -hmm. it is to, you know, uh, from an, a cash flow perspective to run a business, particularly a frozen business, which is yep. which is actually the most expensive. Um, and um, and so I probably wished I had done that um, a bit earlier. But but yep. there's a number of of things that um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, always. Okay, Gail, I think you have a special surprise for everyone who is listening. I do. And it's my favorite kind of special surprise. So just to <laughs> thank everybody, because we could all use a little joy these days, right? Um, uh, I just wanted to give every anyone and everyone who's listening um, a free Collie Power product. All you Amazing. have to do is um, uh, uh, send us a direct message on at Collie Power on any of our social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, and mention in the sauce, and we'll send you a free coupon good for any one of our products. Amazing. Gail, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. It's been just such a joy watching you and all the positivity and the power that you are bringing to this industry. Um, I, I'm just honored that you are on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to uh, taste our <laughs> pasta and sauce together. <laughs> yeah. Romesco and Romesco and, and your pasta. I'm, sure I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing um, it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And um, all you listeners, thank you for continuing to listen and send me all of your notes. And Matt, it was fun being reunited with you as our engineer today. I don't know if he's going to chime in. <laughs> There he is. Um, okay, and I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.